the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There has to be a creator. Once you come to that, then you have to submit to that creator. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Wanting it all is the title of our next message in Genesis chapter 19. Have you ever wanted it all? Kind of the best of both worlds? Like having all the luxuries of this life, yet not having to, well, pay for them? Meaning, I think we all like nice things. I know that I do. Yet because they're so expensive, many times we buy the cheaper brand. You know, it'd be so much easier if we could just all win the lottery, right? You know, and not have to always be concerned about how much something costs. Or maybe we could just get a job promotion with a big fat raise to go along with it. Yet that might require a lot more work and overtime, meaning longer days and, you know, going in earlier and staying later. Yes, it'd be nice to have it all, but that never comes cheap, right? Never comes cheap. I think many of us want our cake and eat it too. Wait a second, what does that saying even mean? We want our cake and eat it too. I mean, if we have the cake, doesn't it mean that we always eat it too? I mean, I don't know, whatever. You know, who comes up with these sayings? But anyway, today, as we continue our study through the book of Genesis, we're going to look at Abraham's nephew, Lot. He's a man who wanted it all. He wanted the best of both worlds. He wanted all the world could possibly give him all the glam, all the lights, Yet at the same time, he wanted all the security of being a believer in the Lord. He wanted the promises of heaven. Yet consider the contrast between Lot and his uncle, Abraham. For Abraham was a man of faith. He was a man who trusted in God. He was a man that was moved to please God. Yet Lot, on the other hand, represents a man consumed with his own pleasure. A man sold out to the lust of his own flesh. By flesh, I mean his own sinful desires. Desires that we all have. Desires that can never be satisfied. We all have that something and it's like, but when we get the things that we think will satisfy us, they still don't satisfy us. Yes, Lot knew God. You can say that for sure. The Bible tells us that he did. And at times he worshiped God. Yet only when he was with his uncle Abraham. Lot's lifestyle seemed to keep him from really becoming all of who and what God desired him to be. But when did things really go off the track for Lot? 
Chapter 13 described a beef that was going on between Uncle Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. So Abraham told his nephew Lot, you know, you pick wherever you want to go. If you go to the north, I'll go to the south. If you go to the, you know, east, I'll go to the west. But we must part ways, Abraham said. The Bible said that Lot lifted up his eyes to Sodom. And what did Lot see? He saw the best of the land. He was, it was green and it was lush. In fact, the Bible points out that it was like the garden of the Lord. Yet that's not all that Lot saw. He was also enticed by the allure of the big city. But what was it exactly? What was so enticing about Sodom? Well, consider what Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 when telling his disciples what the world would look like in the last days before he returned. He said in Luke 17, 28, Jesus said, it was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating and they were drinking. They were buying and they were selling. They were planting and they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Wow. See, back in the day in Sodom and Gomorrah, the thing that attracted Lot, it seemed like everything was good for them. They were self-governed because they didn't come and follow the Lord. They rejected the Lord. So they self-governed themselves. They were living the dream, you could say. They were all making money. They were spending money. They were building nicer and nicer things. And of course, they were all partying. It seemed like everything would just continue on forever just like that. We can do our own thing, live our own way, and just be whoever we want to be. Yet, as you remember from an earlier study, much more insight was given to us about the culture that was happening there in Sodom. Genesis 13, 13 says, Now the men of Sodom, they were wicked exceedingly. They were sinners against the Lord. We're told in Jeremiah 23, verse 14, like in Sodom and Gomorrah, they committed adultery and they walked in falsehood. The Bible also says this about Sodom in Ezekiel 16:49. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance. They had abundant food and careless ease, idle time, you could say, but she did not help the poor and the needy. So we have all through the Bible reflects back to the very first book. It reflects back to the city of Sodom. I mean, we have Jeremiah the prophet. We have Ezekiel. We have Jesus Christ himself. We even have Isaiah that references Sodom and says, don't do what this city did. And what were they like? Well, we know that they were wicked. We know that they were sexually perverse. We know that they were an arrogant people. We know that they were godless. They did not follow the Lord, and they only lived for themselves. So what can we learn from this city of Sodom here today? Well, we can learn a lot. We can learn everything. For if it was tempting for Lot to live in a city like that, then surely it will be tempting for us to live in a city like that because we all live 
in a big city, do we not? That is self-governed by godless men that has tons of money that flow in and out of this city. We are the number two city in the United States, but the number one city that sets a wicked culture for the known world here in Los Angeles, making our culture extremely similar in parallels Sodom. We as believers, we must guard ourselves from becoming like it, like Lot became like Sodom. That's why it's so important for us to be plugged in at church, serving the Lord meeting new people. I hope that when you come, you don't just herd in and herd out. I hope that you mingle a little bit, get to know other people. That's one of the great joys of you ladies coming out on Tuesday night for the women's study to get to know other women, get to know other people going in the same direction, having friendships with those who are going the same way that you're going in this life. And then make no mistake about it. Jesus said it would be the same at the end of time as it was for Sodom. And that's when God destroyed them. So we have so much to learn from this city. In the very time in which we are living, we are living where we see similar attitudes in culture just like Sodom was. That's why we need to take heed to what the Bible says and stop passing the buck on our own sin, the things that we start dabbling in. We have to examine ourselves to make sure that we don't fall prey just like Lot fell prey. This is what we can learn about ourselves in James 1.13. He says this, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. But this is how we all sin as Christians. Verse 14 goes on in James 1 and it says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. See, we fall as believers into sin because we get enticed. And that's what we're going to see in Lot today. Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. He was enticed by the things that were happening in the big city. So with us living in a big city that has the same characteristics as Sodom, we must be careful that we don't fall prey to those very same things and be enticed by our own lusts ourselves. Amen to that. That's like a kind of a courtesy clap. It's not like a full clap. It's, like, it's just like a little bit there. Okay, I'm just wondering, you know. Well, today we're going to consider four points in light of our title, Wanting It All. Number one, a lost believer. Lot was a lost believer. He was a believer, but he got so entangled in the world that you couldn't even tell. Number two, we're going to look at a lost culture. We live in a culture that's lost even as Lot lived. Number three, a lost testimony. Because Lot assimilated and became part of his culture, he lost his testimony of standing out different in his world. And number four, a lost city, which we live in a lost city also. Well, let's look at our first point, a lost believer. Let's read together, picking up in Genesis chapter 19. We'll start, of course, in verse one. It says, now, The two angels came to Sodom in the evening. Okay, now let's just remember the last study. Remember there was three. The three came to Abraham. One of them was a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. 
he was there and he was talking to, to Abraham himself. But there was two angels. Now we have just the two angels that actually go in and scope out the city of Sodom. And it says, now Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed down with his face to the ground. And he said, now... Behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. They said, however, no, but we shall spend the night in the square. Yet he urged them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house and he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread and they ate. Isn't that? Interesting how angels, when they take on the form of a body and they come and live amongst us, they look just like us. They eat and all of that. But anyway, moving on here. Notice where we find Lot. Lot was sitting at the gate. Now, what does that mean? Sitting at the gate of the city. Now, in this culture, it means that Lot had become a leader in that city. Consider the progression of Lot. First in chapter 13, the Bible said that Lot again pitched his tent towards Sodom. Maybe he set it up on a hill and he had a nice view of the city. Then we read in chapter 14 that Lot dwelt in Sodom. Oh, okay. Now he moved into the city limits. Okay. Then in chapter 19 here, Lot is sitting at the gate. So he's become increasingly involved in the politics of the city. This is a clear picture on how compromise can weaken our moral judgment. How we can at first just look at something and say to ourselves, you know, I would never do that. Then we start hanging around others that are doing whatever that thing is. But we say, even though I'm hanging out with them, even though I'm going to the club to go dancing, I'm not going to actually be part of what's going on. I'm just hanging out with those that are doing it. Then our moral fiber is tested and we fall prey to our own lust as we partake of our lustful passions. And we dwell within the very sin that we once said, oh, I would never do that. Yes, Lot became more and more contaminated by his surroundings. The corruption that was in that city was now corrupting Lot, for it had distorted his judgment. I wonder if there's any of us that are messing around with things, playing with things, going to places, looking at things that we shouldn't look at that are starting to corrupt your moral judgment and who you are as a believer. Yes, he seemed to still have, though, a little spiritual discernment left in him to notice that these two angels have walked into the city gate as Lot greets him and bows down to them. Then he invites him to his home. But notice the response to Lot. They said, uh, thanks, but no thanks. You know, we'll stay in the square. Meaning what they were saying was, no, I think we'd rather just sleep in the street than go to your house. I mean, what does this say about where Lot was spiritually? The angels were like, yeah, go to your house. No, I think we'll just sleep in the street. That's okay, you know. But Lot, you know, he had backslid so far that he didn't even realize how far he had fallen. 
And that can happen to us. We're in something for so long. We have been messing with something for so long. You don't even realize how far we had fallen. But these angels from heaven, guess what? They sure noticed. Yeah, buddy, boy, I don't know if we wanted to hang out with you. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't think so. Well, Lot, he had talked them into coming to his home. And he fed them a really nice meal. But as soon as the meal was over, trouble came knocking on the door. Which brings up our second point, a lost culture. Let's read what it says here, picking up in Genesis 19, verse 4. It says, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old. All the people from every quarter. And they called to Lot, and they said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and he shut the door behind him. And he said, please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with men. Please let me bring them out to you and you can do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men inasmuch as they have come under the shelter of my roof. But the men said, stand aside. Furthermore, they said, this one came in as an alien talking about Lot. Like you're not even one of us here. And already he's acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than them. So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. Oh, My goodness, this is going off the hinges. Verse 4 said, the men of Sodom. Did you notice that? They were young and they were old. Their sin had penetrated every generation of the people from every quarter of the city. Remember how Uncle Abraham was praying for those in Sodom in our last study. Remember, he was uh, telling the Lord when the Lord said, I've come down to see the sin myself because I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham's like, oh, you can't destroy them. What if there's 50 righteous people? The Lord said, okay, fine. I won't destroy the city if there's 50 righteous. Then, of course, Abraham thinking, man, I've been to that city before. That's a pretty wicked city. And my nephew Lot moved in there. Every time I go visit him, that is a wicked city. He goes, maybe there's not 50. He goes, well, what if there's five less than 50 lords? I won't destroy it. Then, of course, he gets into the whole debate with the Lord. Well, what if there's only 40? What if there's 30? What if there's 20? Finally, he gets down. What if there's just 10 righteous? Will you not destroy it? And the Lord's like, fine. If there's 10 righteous, I won't destroy it. But there wasn't going to be 10 righteous. This city was permeated with sin from the young to the old, every quarter of the city. And now they're surrounding Lot's his house. They wanted these men. Obviously, these wicked men of Sodom and Gomorrah had no knowledge that these angels were literally sent from God to destroy them. Verse 5 tells us in the New American Standard that they wanted to have relations with them. In the King James Bible, it says they wanted to know them. The original language in the Hebrew there, it means they wanted to know them sexually. They wanted to abuse them sexually. They wanted to have homosexual relationships with these men, not knowing they are literally angels. 
The Bible condemns homosexuality, and as you know, that is not a popular stance to have here today, especially in this big city that we live in. But the Bible is not moved by what pop culture approves of or disapproves of. Why? Because God is the creator of all things that are seen and unseen. So he doesn't care. He doesn't care what people say. Last night I was watching this show on Blue Planet. And it was show, he's showing all of the stuff in the ocean. Like, oh my goodness, like these, these giant, you know, plants that are in the ocean that are not just like plants like we have here on the outside of the ocean. They're, these plants are alive. They're creatures and they go and eat stuff. It's like a plant coming at you and it's, it's going to eat you. It's like, so they had this one that looked like a, a, like a seahorse and there was like a plant growing out of them. So this thing's cruising around. It looks like a plant that's cruising around, but then you look closer. It's a seahorse, but this whole plant is growing out of him. And I'm thinking, that's crazy looking. How, did that thing evolve? I mean, is, is, is that just, you know, part of the complexity of, of, of things that just happened all on their own? No, God created that crazy looking seahorse. That's a whole plant around him. I mean, I'm just like, this is insane. It's like, yes, God is a creator of all things. He is the one who created humanity in his own image. This is why people will embrace evolution Instead of the creator God. Why? Because if you erase God, you dismiss God as the creator, then you can rule yourself. It eliminates being created. And so you can govern your own life and do whatever you want to do. But if we admit that all the complexity around us is of this great creation and it demands a divine creator behind it. If you admit to that, then you must adhere to that creator's rules. You must must, uh, submit yourself to him. You must say, man, my heart is beating in my chest with no batteries. There has to be a God. I have fingerprints that are different than 7 billion people on planet Earth. I have a DNA strand that's inside of me that's different from everybody. There has to be a creator. Once you come to that, then you have to submit to that creator. Yes, he has established us in his creation. Yes, there is a God in heaven and he made us in his image and we will stand before him one day. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed for every man and woman to die once. Every believer, every non-believer will die and then you'll stand before God. Now, some people will say, I don't believe that. Well, What do you believe? I believe that when we die, we get buried in a Cracker Jacks box and we'll have a prize in our coffin. Okay, that's fine. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but guess what? You're going to die and you're going to stand before God. I don't believe that. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you come up with your own thoughts. The Lord God, creator of the heavens and the earth says, you're going to stand before me. And this is why people must hear this message, whether they want to hear it or not. It's just like what the Bible says, right? Everything that the Bible says is not what you want to hear all the time, but it's what you must hear. God gives us clear guidelines on what is right and what is wrong, even sexually 
in the Bible. Now, when you go to the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God, in there is the book of Leviticus. Now, in Leviticus, he tells us the guidelines on sexuality in Leviticus chapter 18. Now, he gives us all kinds of guidelines here. Now, some people will point out, since we're talking about homosexuality today, because that's the issue that's right in the forefront at Lot's house, a bunch of men want to rape these two men that came in to his house. So it says in Leviticus 18.22, you shall not lie with a male as you lie with a female. It is an abomination before God. That's what he says in Leviticus 18. But he doesn't just talk about homosexuality there. He gives us the guidelines on all sexuality. So he starts off and he says, oh, by the way, you cannot sleep with your mother. No, you can't have sexual relationships with your mother. And guess what? You cannot have a sexual relationship with your father. Oh, and by the way, fathers, you cannot have a sexual relationship with your son or with your daughter. And mothers, you can't have a sexual relationship with your son or daughter. Oh, and by the way, I'm not done yet. Yes, and you cannot sleep with your mother's sister. And you can't sleep with your father's sister or your, your father's brother or your, your, father's, uh, or your, your mother's brother. You can't sleep with your sister. You can't sleep with your brother. See, he just calls everybody out and he gets to verse 22 and you can't sleep with another male and a male can't sleep with another female see this is what the guidelines that god gives us and he goes on to say oh and by the way you can't sleep with a cow and you can't sleep with a sheep you can't sleep with a giraffe i put the giraffe in there but you know he's just making a point you can't sleep with animals okay this is what the bible says he puts it in context with various other sins That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.